Good morning. My name is Zach Schulman, and I'm the program manager at Brooklyn Queens Land Trust. And I'm here as part of the, or we're we are here as part of the Our Gardens Our Stories project. Um, we're at Brooklyn Public Library on Grand Army Plaza. Today is July fifteenth, twenty sixteen, and it's about eleven thirty-five in the morning. Um, and I'm here with. Uh, my name is Chris Stewart. I'm the garden rep for uh, Heaven's Gate Garden in Brooklyn at 169-171 Hart Street. And, and I'm Samantha Feldman, a new intern. Great. Welcome to you both. Um, so yeah, first, Chris, why don't you just tell us, like, you know, since we, we don't have photos of the garden on hand and this is a audio recording, um, a little bit about, you know, where the garden is located um, and if you can kind of describe you know, someone walking into the garden or passing by the garden on the street, what, what might they see? Okay. Yeah, the garden, uh, again, is located on Hart Street between Tompkins and Troop in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. And um, it's a two-lot two lot wide garden, so um, it's uh, pretty good size. It's pretty deep. Um, the garden has a gazebo. Uh, which is probably the recognizable icon landmark of the garden. Uh, and I think it's it was probably built around 15 years ago, it looks like. Uh, and, um, and then, of course, there's a lot of beds behind the gazebo. Uh, we have uh, fruit trees uh, in the front to, to the left and to the right, pear and apple trees. We have a big cherry tree, a big peach tree, and those are certainly when they're fruiting, they're, um, you know, that grabs a lot of attention when people are walking by. Um, and um, we have uh, a good active program. So there, you know, we're doing movies there on the weekends for kids and for grown-ups. And uh, so when we do have a movie on the side of the buildings or in the gazebo, if it's raining, you know, that that garners a lot of attention uh, when people are walking by. And we advertise those, so we, we're getting people, you know, trickling in from seeing posters and coffee shops and and on the internet. We have a pretty good Facebook following. I actually say real good um, Facebook following. And so that generates a lot of interest, a lot of hits every day we're getting from all over the world, which is really cool. Um, and uh, recently we just got a, um, a contract with this Japanese company that we're growing uh, strawberries for them now. And they're actually paying us uh, $200 a month to um, grow three different varieties of uh, original heirloom strawberries from Japan and they claim that they are you know original um, you know seeds or from you know nothing's been changed over the years in them and they are good we're actually getting fruit from them the first year we planted which is unusual but um so we built extra beds for that uh, and this entrepreneur in Japan is is giving us support through the University of Arizona and um, we, uh, the project so far is, is really a success. So people come through, Japanese people that have read about it. And so we're getting all these travelers now that are coming to see strawberry plants, <laughs> which is nice. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the, the, film, pro the film program that you guys have? Yeah, uh, well, um, we, um, you know, we have a projector that we, two different people have projectors now. And so, we have tried to, from the Tribeca Film Festival, we um, got people interested that uh, aired documentaries there. And um, one of the ones that we aired this year was about um, the, um, was it Proposition 13 or something in California, where there are people coming out of prison on the three-strike process. 
and some of those guys have been in there for 20 years on you know small amounts of marijuana and so that law is being you know uh, really scrutinized and we just thought that would be a great um, situation to promote awareness about that law and the garden um, you know we put up posters and we had you know it just seemed like it was very you know uh, very current with the neighborhood and with people that you know there's an outreach program uh, with a coffee shop around the corner and he takes guys that are just getting out of prison and helps them to start to learn about a business and he's been a priest in the neighborhood for a long time and the guys trust him and so some of those guys came over and that was a good a good situation uh, the other movies that we've been showing are kids movies and we did uh, our first one at Halloween so we got a lot of parents from the neighborhood that were sort of suspect of the garden and they were like wow you know they it really opened up a lot of doors for us uh, because we saw a lot of people that we'd never seen before that live on our street that just never came in and, um, and that was really good that was that broke sort of I think a lot of barriers with parents and kids because the kids were running around and just watching this movie and realizing um, you know that we were um, good people and that it was a good situation and we've had a lot more kids this summer from the street so that's been really good yeah great yeah great. so kind of taking a step back um, can you talk a little bit about you know how you got involved in the garden and what the garden was like when you first first got yeah. involved okay well yeah uh, you know I, I've been a gardener for a long time since I was a kid I've raised you know I grew up on a farm so I always had gardens and and uh, stuff going uh, in the fields but um, I uh, when I moved to Brooklyn I was a member of the Berry Street Garden and uh, then once I left Williamsburg uh, I moved to Fort Greene and I really sort of got out of being involved with a garden day to day uh, moved to Bed-Stuy three years ago and um, realized there was a, um, a garden on Hart Street behind us that was pretty much dormant. I mean, there was about 20 grills in there and, and uh, Japanese knotwood grown up for the last <laughs> three or four years. And it didn't look like a lot of action going on in there. And so just talking to people on the street about the garden, I started meeting people that had had some kind of co connection with that garden. And... Um, you know, was just curious to see like what happened. You know, there was some man that was supposed to have had the keys, and rumor had it that he was living in North Carolina, and you know, he wasn't even around anymore. And so we started going to back to the BQLT uh, Brooklyn Queens Land Trust um, meetings every Saturday, or you know, once a month, and um, the board meetings, and just trying to get a feel about what was really going on with the garden. At the same time, there was a, a woman in the neighborhood from the Japanese Mothers, I uh, can't remember what the name of that organization is now. But anyway, they were interested in getting a garden for the kids for after school program and, you know, sort of focusing on vegetables that were grown locally in Japan and helping their kids and learn about, you know, um, their culture and their food. And so it was sort of, uh, it just kind of fell into place. She was at the meetings. I was at the meetings. She said, I'm looking for a garden. And I said, well, you know, I've got experience um, being a garden rep at Berry Street. So uh, well, let's see, let's team up. So we teamed up and we finally got the keys. And once we started the cleanup, it was a major, you know, <laughs> endeavor. Oh, uh, my gosh. The first cleanup, we had a, a local church got involved. So we had like 20 people from there. And um, we 
Demetrius was a guard or via you know, leader then. And he was like, you know, try to cut these bushes down, <laughs> you know, cut these things down and, you know, it'll just look better. And it was a lot of good inside. And we, you know, we rented chainsaws. We, you know, we got um, heavy lifters and moved a lot of stuff around. And, and, um, and then this last year built a deck off of the gazebo to cover up this big, ugly um, cement chunk that was very dangerous when the kids were playing. And um, that's that's given a, a big plus to the garden. But it was it was like a, a sort of osmosis. Once we the ladies that used to be part of the members that lived across the street would look out their windows and you know like, hey, what are you doing out there? And so just we started talking and you know the guys that had grills in there that was a transitional time and they were sort of suspect and not too happy that they weren't going to be able to keep you know keep doing what they were doing in there. But we just tried to be amicable, very, you know, um, you know, straight up with them and just saying, hey, you can still be members, come by the meetings. And one out of that got one out of that group of guys actually still is a is a member and he comes by and he doesn't garden, but he, he likes to come to the meetings and give his two cents. And he's uh, actually a really good guy. So that smooth that helped us smooth out that group, but they still hang out. They still hang out in the stoop next door and come over in front of the garden. But it's it's been a lot more amicable and and we hope, um, you know, as we get more people involved on the street, they will stop, you know, throwing their trash in front of the garden. <laughs> I see. And, you know, other than, than storing the grills, was the garden itself being used in that time period before you were involved? And can, can you give a time frame of, like, when this, when this was? Okay, so this was three years ago, 2013. We first um, got involved, um, got the keys, and... Um, so from what from just hearing what these guys were doing, they were mainly, you know, drinking and, and grilling and food in there every once in a while, you know, like on holidays and stuff on the weekends. The original garden rep uh, had moved away, sold, had sold his house. And so, um, you know, he's retired and he, he didn't, you know, want to, I guess, you know, uh, be around anymore. But the other people that were involved, say, 10, 15 years ago, um, had left the garden because it had become this men's club kind of place to hang out. And that's kind of common, you know. I've uh, been involved with several of the other gardens around uh, 2000 when, um, uh, not Bloomberg, but uh, Giuliani was mayor and uh, was, you know, a lot of gardens were threatened because that's when all these gardens came under, you know, they had the choice of com becoming under the umbrellas and the protection of several different organizations, BQLT being one of them. And so you had to choose. And at that time, those gardens that didn't fall under that, that umbrella, they had the chance of being bought up and developers taking them. And, and, uh, you know, we didn't want that. You know, it's like that was, it was so hard at work for many years to get them clean and get them, you know, organized. Um, but, uh, so I guess with the Heaven's Gate Garden, a lot of those people left because the men's club, you know, they weren't gardening anymore. And it became the place where, it wasn't a nice place to be around and um, they weren't keeping it maintained and you know it was just you know obnoxious language and behavior and and so the women didn't feel safe and so um, and certainly not children and uh, so now it's become this um, you know place where um, even the, the people that live on the street are letting their kids come to the garden in the evenings after school and we close the gate and you know they feel safe in there the parents don't have to like keep a hawk eye view of them 
and somebody's in there monitoring and uh, you know it's just um, you know my daughter loves going there and she's had a chance to meet um, you know kids from the neighborhood you know and those that interaction I think is a big plus you know with everything that's happening now it's like you know I heard someone say you know we were on this March the other day she just said just say just say hello to somebody that you don't normally say hello to you know and I feel like that happens every day every day in that garden somebody passes and I say hello no matter if they look at me or not you know and I say hi come on in you know and that for me is a good way to break the ice I don't you know it doesn't have to be this you know I don't have to draw up a conversation I just say hey why don't you come in have you ever checked out the garden and it, it makes it easier you know to um, to build a sense of community you know with uh, with not um, you know having this wall up all the time and even the guys that you know come in on the weekends and hang out on the stoop you know they see us out there they see us cleaning out there and uh, so we hope that eventually will lead to less you know uh, you know them throwing their bottles over the fence and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> empties certainly yeah 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 um are there other specific programs that you you have either underway or um, in 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 mind? Yeah, you talked about the film program and, yeah. and the the strawberry growing. Yeah, we have um, with this Japanese organization. There are several events that um, are scattered throughout the year, mostly in the, in the spring through the fall, that involve um, different types of workshops. Uh, we have an, a group called um, Art Spark who's now involved with um, children and, and building senses of um, sort of community in a different way, like group projects and building a sense of awareness of working together with other individuals. And it's not just for kids, it's for adults too. So we're getting a lot more adults coming to those things now, which is good. And so they've done three or four events already. They just had one uh, involved uh, with recycling garbage bags and weaving them into these um, beautiful hoops that hang from the trees and um, so they get to work together in different parts of building this hoop sculpture and uh, we've built birdhouses for different you know for taking back home we've built flower boxes for the kids um, and then we have in the makings what we're hoping to do is uh, well we've done several workshops already with uh, Bakashi and composting and uh, EM uh, making. Uh, Can you just briefly describe what Bokashi and EM? Oh yeah, it's a Japanese. You don't know. Yeah. Okay. Bokashi is um, a process of um, taking um, this liquid that you make by fermenting certain um, ingredients, um, and uh, you can put that straight on the dirt. But after it's ready to um, uh, to produce, you you put that on a material, say uh, some sort of barley, or we've used coffee husk from local breweries, chocolate husk from local chocolatiers um, and um, once you let this stuff um, soak and after two weeks then you can put it on your compost and if you have compost in your house during the winter and you have a can of it you can put that sprinkle it on it and it breaks it down and it there's no smell so a lot of people the way they don't compost is that it's stinky and messy and yucky right well this this definitely works it is amazing we even use it in our composting you know outside because it, it takes that stink away and breaks it up a lot faster. Uh, and it was miraculous uh, putting the EM product. It's um, it kind of smells and tastes a lot like uh, kombucha that you uh -huh. drink. Yeah. And so um, you know, I take a swig and then I throw it on the ground. You know? 
but it's uh, it really changed our soil like very fast. Like we went from being, you know, a lot of the beds were very dormant for many years and not, you know, just gray soil and not a lot grown in them. And we started putting that on the beds and within that first season, we just noticed a big difference of how it really um, changed the garden. It, it's miraculous what has happened in that garden. So now we've, in the three years that we've done, we've tried to start getting more organic material in those beds. We only add organic compost and soil and stuff to those beds now. Uh, no outside fertilizers or any, you know, bad chemicals. Uh, and, you know, that's been really good for the ladies that, you know, weren't organic. And so, like, they're growing organic vegetables now. And they're like, wow, you know. It's um, it's something that just has opened a lot of eyes um, in their world, um, and uh, you know we we really want to have a a program that we're developing now that is um, you know hopefully to, to get a composting toilet, a water reclamation system. We have that in the works now, and um, just get it more sustainable. You know, get get that garden uh, a place where people want to come hear music, watch film garden and it becomes a place for kids that they can hang out and you know they'll get the vegetable thing you know via osmosis they love a lot of them like to dig and dig for worms and stuff like that but they uh, you know some of them have really grasped onto the idea of gardening and it's you know it's pretty cool certainly yeah yeah um, you know, you talked about kind of the early stages of, of revitalizing the garden mm -hmm. and getting people involved. Um, I think there was a church and some other organizations. How did you kind of connect with these groups? How did you know? How did the, the, their support materialize? Um, well, with we also have school, uh, school PS uh, down the street on Willoughby. That uh, there's two different schools in that building. There's the public and then the charter, and we've um, approached the. Um, um, the charter side, and uh, but we do have the public side in our garden now, the third graders. And I just went down there. I went down there and talked to the principal, and it took a couple meetings uh, with them and background checks. <laughs> and then they, they allow the kids and the teachers to come down. Um, and um, so that has been really good. Now they ask for help to do a garden inside there. Um, they have a courtyard. So we helped them with that, and we, we gave them support and you, you know, tools and, you know, back labor. And so once they got that, they, it's easier for them not to stay within, but it was good because they came for one year and now they've got their own sustainable garden system and, and boxes. It's beautiful. And so, um, but the church uh, was uh, one of our garden members, was a member of this church uh, in Brooklyn. And um, every year they donate time. And, and so they did, they've come three or four times now. Um, and it's been great. Um, uh, they, you know, they do tremendous amounts of work in you know short periods of time. So that's been a really good um, you know thing. And this year we got I think ten new members. All of them don't even have plots, but they they um, they just wanted to start you know the process of getting a plot. So uh, we've had turnover already with people just moving, and but we've divided the beds up now into halves where they were whole beds, and so. We've got about twice, I think, the membership, um, and um, you know that's really helped because you know I think four or five of those are I call them old timers. They've been in the neighborhood on the street a long time, and I just like that. That feels like it feels right, you know, because they've been around the longest and were there in the beginning, and uh, so it's been a good thing. 
What's been, I mean, you talked about some of the challenge, but challenges, but what do you think has been the, the biggest issue for you within the garden over the last few years? Um, probably that issue of, you know, people, you know, like when you work hard to get it going, then you, then somebody dumps their trash out there or they sit out there and they throw their bottles and they drink and, you know, just sort of like being, uh, amicable and being, you know, low key about like, you know, this is the garden now and trying to get people to respect that, that, you know, you know, just don't throw your trash there. You're sitting out there and, you know, maybe sit a little bit further over because I, especially on the weekends in the summertime, it becomes this kind of hangout place and, and, um, you know, um, it just doesn't feel good. Like it, when the sun goes down in front of that garden, you know, the kids, we, we bring them in and we send them home because on the weekends, especially that bec it becomes a hangout place. And, you know, people from New Jersey come in, they all park out there and it's, it becomes this, you know, place to, um, you know, party. And so that has been a challenge because, uh, you know, just the next morning you got to go out there and, you know, you know, it's going to be all, you know, messed up and, and, um, you know, it just, um, it just makes for a kind of a weird energy. Like, you know, you try to let it go and, you know, the guys, you know, the guys that are out there cause they live next door. And so it just becomes a, um, you know, okay, let it go Just say hi try to start again and, and eventually you hope that um you know either they'll move away or <laughs> they'll something will change you know mm -hmm. it usually does it usually works out somehow you know over the years of doing this it uh, you know if you keep keep it cool hopefully it'll work itself out yeah yeah and what's been the most satisfying part of all of this for you is there there's, is there something that really stands out i mean you've certainly spoken about things that are rewarding but yeah I think just being, you know, like seeing the ladies come in there at night after work. Some of them are retired, but some of the ones that work, you know, come in there and they garden and seeing them, uh, you know, just talking with them. Because I, you know, to be honest, I, I would never have met them probably. You know, I would have said hi to them, but, but establishing a sort of friendship and, you know, like we, we share, you know, one of them's got a bad knee, so we share like philosophies about taking you know, homeopathic uh, approaches to their knee. And we, you know, we've given them China gel and Arnica and stuff they've never even heard of, you know, like, and I, I just feel that that is like this bridge that I never would have gotten, you know, um, if it wasn't for the garden, you know, and they come in and we give each other a hard time, you know, just kind of shooting the, you know, the bull. And, and that's been rewarding, you know, because, um, we we sort of don't take it from each other you know it's like this we it's a, so it's so amicable in there it's really wonderful the garden meetings have been really good compared to like you know there's not a lot of conflict which is knock on wood is as good at this point um and we we really want to try to keep it that way keep it simple for them and um you know we do have rules about of course alcohol and and stuff like that but we we everything else we try to like say hey you know uh, we're not going to bombard you with a lot of rules. We just want you to have a space and feel safe in here and garden and, you know, and have a place that's cool. And um, so, so far it's been, it's been really good, you know, um, to try to help each other, you know, with uh, weeding and, you know, cause one, some of the ladies aren't, you know, not getting around so good anymore. So we, we do help each other out and, you know, like I picked all the cherries on the tree and we pitted them and we give them out. You know, we froze them, we give them out. Like last year we pitted all the peaches. We had 
I think, six bushels of peaches from that tree. So we pitted them all, we cut them up, we froze them, we gave them out. And so they don't have to do anything. They don't have to get up on a ladder and they get the benefits of the harvest, you know. So it feels pretty cool. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, do you have any kind of concluding thoughts or questions to leave with people who might um, be gardening at Heaven's Gate in the future, you know, after you've mo moved on in some way mm -hmm. or, you know, just many years down, down the road? Well, I think, you know, from coming from another garden before and seeing and hearing other people's stories um, of issues that cause problems, I, you know, from Berry Street, I realized, you know, that um, uh, making it a safe place, making it a place where they know they can come and there's not going to be, you know, crazy people there drinking and, um, you know, a lot of rules that just clog, you know, personalities, of course, people have strong personalities, you know, and these are independent people, they're gardeners, you know, I find that to be, uh, you know, attracts very independent people. And so you want to give them space and not, you know, um, have a lot of, I think, have a lot of rules that are going to make them feel stifled. And, and uh, you know, I just hear the horror stories of other gardens that have large member base, but nobody gets along. And you can feel it when you walk in there, there's a lot of tension. And um, so that would be my number one, I guess, you know, bullet point would just be like, try to keep it simple and keep it, you know, free. And, and uh, if you, I feel like, I don't mind doing a lot of the weeding and picking up the trash and taking the trash to the street if it, you know, so nobody else has to say, well, I have to, I'm on the list, you are here. You know, I feel like if I can, if I can take care of a lot of that sort of grunt work, then it frees them up. You know, you don't have to say, well, you didn't do the trash last week and the battle starts, you know, I did the trash last week, you didn't, blah, blah, blah. And that's piddly stuff. And so I feel like if, the garden reps can take care of a lot of the grunt stuff, then um, it gives them more freedom, you know, to just be. So. Great, great. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Nope, that's it for me. Cool. <laughs> thank you again so much. This was sure. fantastic. Thank you.